Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. We're spreading these out a little more uh, because it's June, everybody, and uh, we'll be back in the fall uh, with a full schedule again. But for now, uh, we're taking our time. We're spreading them out a little bit. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. You can get it on pulphockey.com. You can get it on uh, uh, Stitcher. You can get it on uh, pulphockey.com on iTunes. So, yeah, please uh, listen, download, review, everything else. We appreciate it. Two under, the best men's underwear out there. A lot of NHLers run two under. A lot of motocross and supercross stars wear two under. Use the code FERRARO20 to save yourself money there. And speaking of Ferraro, uh, the best play-by-play uh, analyst uh, uh, on in the game is on the line. Ray Ferraro, what's up, Ray? How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm like everybody else. It's June. We're still playing hockey and... <laughs> kind of worn to a pulp by now yeah i'm kind of i gotta admit my passion for the for the game come the finals almost every year is is low i'm just it's time you know i and, and this hasn't, been, what, this hasn't see, been a great final no it hasn't and see i think it's a little bit like like almost any tournament um think about the ncaa tournament um you know how exciting that first weekend is mm-hmm. when you got yep. all these games yep. going on and then it I don't know. The final's great, or you know, the final four is great, I guess. But by then, it seems like there's fatigue to the event. And I mean, we're playing into June here. Think back to the first round. There's eight series going on. There's multiple games every night. There's man, if you're a hockey junkie, you just mm-hmm. you absolutely have your fix. And now they're, you know, uh, the TV schedule spreads the games out. There's there's two days between games that whatever game to game momentum there would be is probably, um, you know, probably fizzled a little bit. And, and the fact is the series has not been great, even though the games have all been close. Um, it's felt like Pittsburgh's, you know, mm-hmm. the much better team right now. Yeah, it really has been. I don't, I don't really know what's happened because if you had asked me, you know, all year long, I would have been, well, look, the only Eastern team that, I think could win is Washington. I mean, they set records, you know, they, they set records that the, the late seventies Habs had um, phenomenal team. So they're out. And I would have said, okay, look, now it's going to be anybody from the Western conference. Um, I like everybody, you know, that was coming from there, uh, including San Jose. And they just, it's almost like they, they're tired. It's almost like they got to the final, they exhaled and they went, Oh, now we got to pick it back up again. I'm really surprised. I would have picked San Jose to win going into this final. I would have picked any Western Conference team to win. It wasn't that long ago. Pittsburgh was. We were all wondering what was going on with them. It's it's been weird. Uh, it it has, but I think if we, you know, and I picked San Jose before the series too, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because of the way they they fought through St. Louis, and maybe this is just a bad matchup for them. Um, I think the sure, Sharks yeah. are very good. I just I don't think they can catch Pittsburgh. They, I, I think they would have been, you know had Tampa Bay won Game Seven somehow against Pittsburgh. Yep. I think San Jose would be the Stanley Cup champions. I I just I look at the Penguins right now, and and I thought the one area they would really have trouble with is their, you know, their defense outside of Latang is a a pretty nondescript group. Right. Yet they've been amazing. They, you know, Brian Dumoulin has had a, a, you know, he's still an under the radar guy, but (laughs) he has had a breakout playoff for me. Um, They've done a really good job of, of matching the guys uh, against the lines that they want to play. I saw this stat that I just couldn't believe. Um, For example, Justin Schultz plays on that uh, third pair with Ian Cole, and he's clearly the sixth member of that defense in the first four games of the series. He had not played one minute aggregate against any of the six top shark forwards. Not one minute. The yeah. 54 seconds, right. 43 seconds, 30. It's, it's amazing. And so they're, 
they're working hard to protect the guys, um, to put them in the position to succeed. And Schultz has had a, for example, had a very good playoff. Right. But when I look at when I look at the two teams and I nose them up, you know, and match them up, um, the th- the top three lines of Pittsburgh are clearly better than the top three lines of San Jose, and. In each line, they've got a headliner. You know, it's Sidney mm-hmm. Crosby, it's Evgeny Malkin, it's Phil Castle. Yet, in each of those lines, it's been Connor Sheary or Brian Rust or Nick Bonino that have scored game-winning goals for them, uh, have scored big goals for them, and San Jose just doesn't have that kind of depth. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a credit to the Penguins bench, right, for, for keeping Schultz out of there. Like, it's, that's tough to do, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Uh, that Jacques Martin runs the defense. Right. Um, and he obviously has a pretty strict plan that he's trying to follow. And sometimes, you know, you, you just don't get the matchups you want. There's a change on the fly. There's uh, some disjointed play. There's penalties, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yet they've done a really good job of it. And I, and I would say this about the, the Western Conference, about most of us felt the same way you did. Yeah. Um, you know, coming out of the – you know, coming out of the regular season, the West was clearly the better conference. But in a sense, that doesn't even really matter because by the time you get to the finals, it doesn't matter if it's a better conference. It's just one team versus one team. And so, yeah, the, the West has great teams, but Chicago was out and Dallas was out and St. Louis, St. Louis was out, was out yeah. and Nashville's out. Like they're all gone. So it doesn't even matter. It just turns out who are the two best teams from their conferences. And if you go back to January when Mike Sullivan was hired, I mean, Pittsburgh was teetering on a playoff spot. There was a time they were even out of the playoff, but the last two months of the year, nobody's played better than Pittsburgh. And then they have not taken a back step in the playoffs at all. Yeah. Look, as as a Leaf fan, I'm not going to complain because things are working out well, but you realize what happens if Penguins win the cup, right? As it affects me and the Leafs. Mm, they're what? Their draft pick drop? Yes, thirty first draft pick, right? Doesn't matter. 30... <laughs> Doesn't matter. You got the first one. What I know. I know, right? Quit, quit complaining. It's like the anvil's always following. But that would have been a. Uh, I think it was fifteen or something. Um, wherever they well, finished, you know, when they when they made the trade, they I... thought you know that they were going to have a you know the possibility of a mid teens pick and. Each round it goes down and down and down, and <laughs> yeah. um, but they've got they've got a pile of picks here, Leafs do, and um, you know they're they're going to have a a terrific young player, just a just an awesome young player uh, in Austin Matthews. Um, do you feel like okay? So you you didn't get make the finals, but you made it to the uh, semifinals with the Islanders in '93, and we know we've talked about that. It's yeah, big upset uh, over the Penguins. You go to play the Habs. And again, this is off my memory, so maybe you know you you lived it. So maybe correct me if I'm wrong. But like I remember, the Habs were no great juggernaut, you know what I mean. But yet they no were doubt. on a roll. Then they dispatched you guys pretty easily. Again, I think I think if I remember right. And so yeah, is, that, five, is that five games? Yep. Yeah. So it's kind of like the Sharks, like where you get get there and you're like, oh, wait, we just. We're tired. It caught up to us. These guys are quicker. Well, yeah. Know? Oh, some of some of it for sure. Yep. Um, one difference was we were pretty banged up by the time we got there mm. uh, to the to the conference final. Uh, that was number one. Number two is like we were we had played just phenomenal hockey as best as we could play uh, to get there. Um, there was no other step for us to take. Um, number three is that for Montreal, as it turned out. It was just their year. They won ten overtime games, ten yeah. straight. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I mean, who wins? 10, who wins ten straight overtime games? Yeah. You can't do it. Except they did, and <clears throat> they won them in all kinds of different ways. And the series that we lost to them, um, we lost game two in overtime. I think uh, Stefan LeBeau scored in overtime, and game three we lost in overtime, and Paul DiPietro scored. <laughs> right. Great now, if you had the daily yeah. double on if you had the daily double on those two, you're retiring. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden we're down three nothing in a series. Game two, we had two of our best forwards, uh Benoit Hogue and Pierre Turgeon, had breakaways uh in overtime and both missed. Uh, you know, I mean yeah. we're actually Hogue was game two, Turgeon was game three, 
and uh, they both missed. And if they they hit the breakaway, man, after three games, we're Think, ahead. Yeah, things like, change, right? Who would have, you know? It so it's just their time, and so as as great as Pittsburgh's been um, in this final series through four games, um, uh, San Jose's hit seven goalposts or crossbars. Guess what? It's aside from being the better team, it's just Pittsburgh's time. I mean, that's wow. that's how I look at it. I didn't know that that was the number seven. I know I, I watched you know most yeah. of the games, but geez, um, yeah, so, game game two they hit four. Yeah, actually, game two might be the one I missed. So there we go. Um, the Con Smythe, uh, Phil Kessel, Matt Murray, uh, and and Sydney. Who do you who do you got? Who do you think is going to take it home? Uh, I, I got them in the exact same. Exact same three, but in reverse order of you. I think Crosby's going to win it. Um, I think Kessel should be second, and I think Murray should be third. If you, um, I mean, Murray's a fantastic story. Uh, in game seven against Tampa, he made 16 saves. No, he made 15 saves in, uh, in game seven. Yeah. Um, the Penguins had outshot their team 12 straight times until game four of this uh, final series. He's been a great story, mm-hmm. but it, not not the Conn Smythe winner. Kessel's been amazing to me. Six points in each of the first three rounds. Um, he's had a terrific final. Uh, they're not here without him. But they're also not here without Crosby. And Crosby's been the best player in the final. Um, points notwithstanding, um, he is, man, he's been amazing as, as I watch him. Um, he had three game winners in the in the previous round, I I just think it's it's his trophy. I wonder if Pete Horacek is watching this final, watching Phil, and going, "Who is that guy? Who is that player?" Well, I'm sure a lot of people are. <laughs> a lot of people are. And right. uh, you know, I I I've, I don't think there's much there's ever been much secret that Phil is a phenomenally talented player. Right. Um. He, I, I played on a team. In, in Atlanta, in a, an expansion team, and we lost a lot. And one thing it does do to you is it just wears any competitiveness out of you. It just beats you to a pulp. And if you're surrounded by a bunch of guys that don't have fight in them either, and the, and the, the Leafs didn't, yeah. then you just get pulled along with the tide. I mean, it's pretty clear. Phil's not a leader. He <laughs> wants to be in the back of the bus. He wants to just do his thing and get the hell out of there and move on to the next day. And in Pittsburgh, he can do that because nobody's clamoring to talk to Phil Kessel. No. Aside from his interviews being boring, he is he's not the headliner. They yeah. want to talk to Crosby. They want to talk to Latang. Uh they they want to talk to, to Malkin. They want to talk to Flurry when he was playing. Now excuse me, now it's Matt Murray. So Phil gets to kind of do his thing. Mm-hmm. He also is a freak. Um, in their physical testing at the start of the year, uh, when they do like one of the great tests for explosive power is, um, is, is you stand, you know, both feet on the ground mm-hmm. and your vertical jump will measure how much power you have. Kessel beat everybody in Pittsburgh. Huh, yeah. And Which, I, I just find that astounding. Well, because Sydney's as got such a, a core, too. Sydney's got such a base, too, on him, you know? Right. And, yeah. and Sydney was the guy that told us that. Yeah. That, that yeah. Phil, Phil won that. <laughs> so, now look, if you're looking for a guy to run a marathon, he's probably the wrong He's guy. not going to be doing it, no. If, yeah. If you're looking for a guy to, you know, to, to bolt off the wing, to unleash a deadly wrist shot, um, man, he's back-checked harder in this series than I've ever seen. Right? <laughs> it's pretty clear he loves it in Pittsburgh. He loves where he's at. And um, when this is over, and in my opinion, Pittsburgh wins the Cup, uh, we won't see him till September. And for some reason, the U.S. didn't put him on their World Cup team, so he will be relaxing, and then he'll show up at camp September 23rd. I was putting some tweets out about Phil, like if he was bummed that this was catch, this was in the middle of fishing season, and this cup run is really, uh, you know, really messing his uh, summer plans up because he always seemed like the type of guy that didn't care. Um, but it was just the way he kind of presented himself, the way his interviews were. Of course, he cares. Like you said, his back checking is phenomenal. Like he's 
like as a, as a as a Leaf guy that watched him and and you know he, he thrilled me for so many years. Uh, I'm happy for him, but I am like, yeah, wow, man. He so he's got it in him. He's got it in him. Just it wasn't there. You know what? His first his first 22 playoff games, he had 21 points. Mm-hmm. Um, this year in the, in the 22 playoff games, he had 21 points. Yep. His production's been the same. Uh, in the playoffs, the problem is the Leafs stink, mm-hmm. and he pretty clearly just let himself get consumed by it, and he lost his will, he lost his fight, and his fight is not the same as Jonathan Taves' fight. Right, it's different. It's presented different, but he was he was miscast. He was if if you needed Jonathan Taves to score a hundred points for you to win. You would lose because that's not what he can do. That's yeah. that's not putting him in the position to succeed. And Phil was thought of as a leader there. Um, he's not. He doesn't want to be. And now that he is a backseat driver, he is um, he is as productive as anybody. But th- do you feel like? And, and we I'll move on from from Phil in a second. But do you feel like like when Burke made the trade? I mean, all of us, and especially you, you guys like guys in the media and guys that have played the game. Like I knew that right away. Like I'm like he's a complimentary player on a really good team. He's not a power center that you can you can base everything off of. You know, he's kind of flaky a little bit. Like when the Leafs first made the move and gave up those draft picks, I was like, eh, I don't think they're ready for this guy. Like, and 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 I think history is now showing us that. You know, it, it was the wrong move. He didn't want to do it. He's not that type of guy. Put him with a bunch of other stars, and he'll help put you over the top. Well, as it turned out, the trade was a disaster <laughs> in in reality yeah. because they gave up the seventh pick in the draft and the second pick, and that turned out to be Kapanen and Hamilton. Yeah, and then for no, Ka- and, and Hamilton. Yeah, but it ends up and for Kapanen. Yeah, for right, Dougie Hamilton and Sagan. Yeah, no, no, for, but don't even go that far. Okay. <laughs> It was Phil. It was Phil Kessel for Tyler Sagan and Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, exactly. What, what Leaf team would have been better? Right. Well, right. It, it, the trade, the the trade was. Um, I mean, they they were obviously looking to inject offense and lots of it, um, but but it, Phil was just not. He wasn't the guy to be your leader, and the supporting cast with him was not good enough. Look, I like Tyler Bozak as a player. He's not a number one center. Mm-hmm. And so you can say, well, neither is Nick Benino. Correct. Yeah. But in Pittsburgh, they're the third line. So he doesn't need a number one center. He's playing against different matchups. He's playing 15 minutes a game against the other team's second and third defense pairs. Because when Crosby goes on the ice, he gets the first pair. When Malkin goes on the ice, he gets the second pair. And then Kessel gets to run roughshod with Carl Hagelin and Bonino over the third pair. It's a pretty good place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Sullivan, obviously, yeah, he's he's working out well for the Penguins. They, they Mike Johnson, they let him go. They put Mike Sullivan in there. Um, Mike Sullivan had a shot at coaching years ago with the with the Bruins. He was always kind of thought of as Tortorella's guy. He followed the tor- torts around to different teams. Um. When they put him in, I mean, he was coaching the farm team, but it was a surprise to me when they put him in, maybe not to you, and then it's a surprise to me that he's pulling all the right uh, moves. And um, what do you you think of the move back then, and and what's working out now? Uh, Well, I thought they had to make a move. Right. Um, You know, like I I, I thought they – I thought they were – Floundering, they were. You know, Sidney Crosby looked um, uninspired, which is something. Whatever critique you might have of Sid, that's never it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a couple of games in November, and he just looked. He just looked out of it. He looked disengaged. I was really surprised. So the change had to happen. Even though the Penguins' record was above five hundred, you could just. It just wasn't. It wasn't right. When they made the move to Sullivan. Um, I guess I was surprised because I hadn't considered him as maybe the heir apparent. Right now, when Mike was a, when Mike was a coach in Arizona and Boston, he was in his thirties, uh, probably too young to take an NHL job and um, 
and really command the respect of the players and also to have his own ideas formed as to what he was going to be as a coach. I mean, he was just getting started. Right. So he ends up on Tortorella's staff. And, and uh, I, I've told this story before. I, I worked with uh, Tortorella at TSN, and mm-hmm. he couldn't speak highly enough of Sullivan. Just thought he was a fantastic coach, that he will be a head coach again. Uh, he'll do a great job. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> like he was Sullivan's PR department. <laughs> and so when, when they got fired in Vancouver – I thought, geez, I wonder where they go. Well, John ends up as a head coach again. Sullivan actually took a year off from coaching because there wasn't really an opportunity for him to coach anywhere. Mm -hmm. And he went into the player development with the Chicago Blackhawks. He said that he had the chance to reevaluate himself a little bit. Um, He had a chance to work with younger players again and realize that even though they're in the NHL, they have lots to learn and there's lots of coaching to it. And he probably changed the way he communicates a little. And so when he took over, I mean, he was a change from, from Mike Johnson for sure. One thing that he wanted was speed. He wanted the game to go fast, and he wanted it to go north. And that's not the way that Mike Johnson envisioned the game. They mm-hmm. played more of an east-west puck, puck possession game. Uh, and Sullivan's game, along with the guys that they brought in, Hagelin, Rust, Sheary, uh, among others, they were fast. And all of a sudden, the Penguins had an identity again. Hmm. Yeah, that's working, no doubt. Um, Matt Murray and uh, and uh, when Marc-Andre Fleury, we're going to hear a ton of this all summer long. Um, Calgary needs a goalie. Uh, they're, they're, I think Penguins are pretty close to the cap, aren't they? They're up there. They're, they, they had some... They all, yeah, they yeah, got to be, for yeah, sure. Right. So... Is it? I mean, this is a Ken Dryden Waugh story for Matt Murray, no doubt about it. But do you, what do you do, what, what, Jim Rutherford? If you're Jim Rutherford, what do you do uh, the, next year? Well, the, there there is no choice really because uh, with the expansion draft coming up, in all likelihood that Vegas is going to get a team, um, so you can only protect one goaltender. Um, or you can protect two. Uh, you know what? I shouldn't say that because maybe the rules allow that you can protect two a and younger, one less skater. Yeah. No, no, no. Like there's going to be a set number of players, but yeah. you can either, I assume you can protect one goalie. If you want to protect two, you, you have to protect less skaters. Right. Um, I suspect that they'll, they'll trade flurry. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I can't imagine Fleury's going to want to, sit around and back up a 22 year old like that, that makes no sense. Right. And if I were an expansion team and I had a chance to take Mark Andre Fleury, I would do it for a number of reasons. One, he's good Two, He's going to be good for a while. And three, he's got, um, he's got the ability to be a face of an expansion team to, um, yeah, he's a funny guy. Yeah. I mean, so popular. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, you could do a heck of a lot worse than that. So, um, I, I don't see it as a real choice. The choice is going to be, when do you do it? Do you do it in the summer? What can you get uh, as far as uh, trade return? And, um, or do you think you're better suited to wait closer to the deadline of next year? Yeah, because they'll have, it'll be most likely in the f- you know, next season, after, the, after next season. Right, the team will come in, or will be two uh, years expansion. Yeah. It'll be a year. It'll be a year away. Twenty, twenty seventeen, eighteen. I, right, I right. think is probably a a pretty sure bet. So you trade them, get some cap space. If you're Calgary, you want them. Uh, yeah, if you're a expansion team, well, you it depends def- what yeah. you got to give up. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I mean, there's the two goal the two goalies in the NHL or in the Stanley Cup Finals uh, have less than a hundred NHL games. Uh, yeah, it's crazy, right? You know, so do you want to go spend six million dollars on a goalie? Maybe, maybe Calgary doesn't. Calgary doesn't have a whole pile of cap space either. They've got Giordano, Hamilton, Brody, Weidman on defense. Yeah, um, they're try. They have to resign, uh, or they they will resign Monahan and Goudreau up front. Yeah, a year from now with Sam Bennett. Pretty soon you get squeezed, and you got very few players signed. Colburn too. I just saw he's fighting for a deal. So. Not that he's a well, huge. He, deal, but yeah, I mean, they, yeah. he may not. There may not be enough money for Colburn. Right. Um, 
Getting to the Vegas thing a little bit, um, seems like it's coming. I've, I've got a friend that's buddies with the Maloofs, and they're very positive and everything else. And we, I mean, it, it, it's a foregone conclusion, right? I mean, they had a meeting already, but we won't know until the 22nd, I guess. But uh, here I sit in Vegas with my deposit. Sounds like I'll have to pony up for the other half of my deposit, huh? Yeah, I think you will. Yeah. And good for you. I, um, You know, there's lots of people that say that, oh, what's the league doing expanding? Well, there's $500 million on the table, so that's one reason. <laughs> right. Number two is um, there is, whether people believe it or not, there are more players uh, available now that are NHL caliber than ever before. Um, you know, the U.S. is producing all kinds of players. Uh, we have better access to European players, and they want to come to the NHL than ever before. It's really, um, it's really kind of time to, you know, to, to mm-hmm. add an expansion team. Um, it, you know, it can help on several levels. Um, one thing that I think the league has tried to do, and we'll find out when the final rules come out, is to make sure that um, that the expansion team is not going to get pummeled. Like the previous one, like like the ones you were I mean, on. That, <laughs> like that does, yeah, that does nobody any good. Yeah, it really doesn't. Yep. I mean, you know, and and if I'm an owner, um, you know, and I'm ponying up five hundred million bucks, I want to know that I can at least be in the game. That you know that I'm not asking people to pay hundreds of dollars per game to come and watch a terrible product. Mm-hmm. Because in Vegas. Um, there's lots of shows that start and lots of shows that don't last very long because they're not very good yep. and they can't make a mark. And so, you know, I mean, that's what the NHL is. It's a show. Those, um, in those, Vegas, yeah. it's just, it's a, it's another entertainment opportunity and it better be entertaining. Better be good. So yeah, those rules we saw a little while ago for the protection of players, that's not in stone. Is that, was that just a, a media thing or was that something floated by the NHL? Is that, Really, do you remember uh, what they were? I, I don't. I don't think we've seen. I don't think we've seen the final mm. draft of okay. what the rules are going to be. Because the one I did see, I don't know where it came from. Looked really good, like you said. It looked like the team can really have some. There's going to be some good players exposed. So, well, that that would be the idea for yeah. sure. One of the see one thing of this expansion round that um, has never been in the past is this is the first one in the salary cap era. Mm-hmm. So the Las Vegas Knights or Bulldogs or whatever the heck they're going to be. What are they going to be? The Knights? Yeah, it's going to. Yeah, it'll be the Knights. Yep. Uh, now, whether it's whether it's the okay. Black Knights or the Knights, I'm not exactly sure, but for sure the Knights. Well, maybe they could have the Knight from Monty Python as their mascot, <laughs> with missing an arm or something. Yes, yeah, he's not right, dead yet. Right. It's just a flesh wound. Um, but they have to get to the salary cap floor um, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's never been a team in a cap era, so. The fact is they're going to have to have some higher-priced players on the roster, where in the past, owners went for, okay, number one, let's get good. Okay, let's get cheap. Yeah. And, you know, they just ponied up the expansion fee, and they didn't want to pony up a lot of money for salaries because they knew they weren't going to be great anyway. Well, now you're going to have to have a few three or four or five million dollar players on your roster to get to the salary floor. Yeah, to get to the floor. Pronger? Maybe Pronger's coming to Vegas. <laughs> oh God. I think that I think that fiasco is almost over. Yeah, I think Phoenix still needs him. I don't know. Um yeah. the new contract will be Datsuks. That'll be the new floor contract. Right? Yeah, somebody somebody's gonna, you know, make a deal for him, I would think, and yeah. they'll get a prospect from Detroit and uh they won't have to pay Datsuk's salary when he doesn't report. And so it'll be uh, pretend money on the cap and no money out the door. What would you do? There's going to be a huge fight uh, in regards to the Vegas team with the no movement stuff. Um, I just feel like this huge fight's going to come on. What's or maybe you heard something, but what what's going to happen to the dudes who have no movement clauses? Well, as, my understanding is the no movement clauses aren't protected in the in the CBA. They're not protected. There's no pro- oh. there's no provision for okay expansion and new mo- no movement clauses. <laughs> no, I, I, some I don't angry guys that can be anyway. No movement is no movement. But <laughs> right. uh, my understanding is those guys uh, do not 
have to be protected. But I, you know, again, I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate speculating on it, Steve, because I, I, I'm just not up to speed on it as as much as I I will be. I feel it's going to be a huge fight. That's what I I feel like we're going to have a huge fight down the road. So should be interesting. Well, it, maybe there will be, but there'll be 23 new jobs, so the fight will go the way that the league wants it. Yeah. Um, hey, you just got back from Russia for, th- for th- what, three weeks? Three weeks, yeah. Three weeks in Russia. Uh, you should get some sort of award for that. How was it, man? Like, I, I traveled, I've traveled all over the world uh, watching these motorcycle races. Um, I've yet to go to Australia. That's where I want to go. I've been just about everywhere else. And I have no desire, Ray, to go to Russia, though, from the things I've heard from riders that come from there and the races that come from there. It seems like an outlaw country. Um, how was it? Uh, there, there is a little bit of that feeling, for sure. Um, I was in St. Petersburg for 20 days, and uh, I would recommend St. Petersburg to anyone that, that likes to travel. Okay. It is a yep. be- beautiful city. Amazing. Um, we, we loved it. The food was good. The, you felt safe. It was busy. Yeah. Um, okay. Incredible historical buildings to see. We went to, you know, one day spent uh, five or six hours in the Hermitage Museum. Just amazing. Just loved it. Now, there are some odd things. So, like, for example, they were building a, oh, I don't know, it had to be about a mile-long stretch of sidewalk okay. on, uh, on both sides of the street. So they dug it up as all guys with shovels, <laughs> right? right. A, a loader could have taken care of that thing in, in a matter of hours. But anyway, they were digging it up with shovels. And so then one night, all, these, um, all the paving stones were delivered. So there mm-hmm. were piles of them all over the place. Right. And they were big. Like they were, you know, I mean, yeah. they were big. They were heavy. They had to be a couple hundred pounds each. So the guy was cutting them uh, with the cement saw. Right. Have you ever been near a cement yeah, saw? Yeah, the, the water flowing out of it and yeah. 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 Right. And dust everywhere. Yep, yep, yep. Um, there was no <laughs> there was no separation from where the people were walking. Right. To where this guy was cutting. So there's like dust flying all over the place. So the only place you could walk was the bus lane. Okay. Which was fine right. until the bus came. Until there was a bus, right. <laughs> and so, like, we were literally walking in the middle of the bus lane, and you look up behind you, and there's, like, a bus, <laughs> like, right behind you. So you kind of, like, shuffle to the side and stand there, and the bus squeezes through, and then you just, you're like, there's not a chance we would ever see that in North America. <laughs> there was a guy fixing a light, and he was up in one of those cherry pickers. Yeah. He wasn't tied in. It was at night. There was no flashlight. <laughs> swaying in the wind. Yeah. And we're, we're watching that and go, I don't even know if those wires are live up there. I guess they're not. But Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like it was, it, like there right. was stuff like that that was just but, crazy. But you felt also, safe. But you, you felt, back, yeah. But you felt, oh, yeah, 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 you felt absolutely. safe. Okay. Yeah, I've always heard, like, it's so sketchy, now, right? Yeah. Well, hang on. I'm, okay. When... When we left St. Petersburg, we went to Moscow. Okay. That is completely different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there is, I think, 16 million people that live in Moscow. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're driving all at the same time. That's what I've heard, yes. Like, there's a picture one of our producers took from his hotel room. And I'm not exaggerating. I will send you the picture. I've had it out on my Twitter account, but it's not a car accident. It's an intersection. <laughs> like you you yeah. can't even believe it's a one-way street, but there's cars pointed in all four directions. Yeah. It is awesome. That's what I've and that's, heard. that's life there. It is the other thing is like if you Okay, so say you left your house mm-hmm. and you were going to the strip in a cab. Right. You have a good idea how much that's going to cost, right? Yes. And if you got a cab on the strip and headed back home, it would probably be about the same. Mm-hmm. 
That is not the case there. You get into the cab, and you just make up the price. You're rolling the dice. (laughs) And you have to tell the guy, uh, suck it, man. I'm not paying that. Forget it. There's there's no meter. Yeah, there's no meter or anything. No, there's no meter. We took a ride to the rink, Uh 600 rubles. Okay. Which is about 12 bucks. On the way back, the guy tells us 2,500 rubles. We're like, wait a minute, pal. We're not paying 2500 And one of our guys had uh, um, one of those Google Translate. So you speak into the phone. Oh, okay. And yeah. it translates it into Russian. He speaks in Russian, and it translates back to English. So you're trying to communicate with this guy. And, and he's not going to let you out of the car until you come up with a price. You're just haggling. You're just sitting there haggling, right? And it's it, there is there is whatever craziness there is. I felt it in Moscow, not in not, not in St. Pete, um, yeah, not in St. Petersburg. We went to Red Square, which, if you're my age, I mean that was the symbol of all evil mm-hmm. in the world. And you know, during the Cold War, and you know, we went there, and it's like packed with tourists. <laughs> it looked. You know, it, it looked like any other place yeah. was built around tourism. Yet you always felt a little unsure about, you know, you, you weren't walking down side streets because you just didn't know. Yeah. I, heck, I guess there's places in America like that, too, but it just felt different. It, it, I've been to Russia twice now. Um, I'm in no great hurry to go back. Mm-hmm. But if you said I had to go to St. Petersburg, I would go tomorrow. You're, you're cool I with it. it yeah. Awesome. yeah, I've heard the driving, the traffic, and yeah, the, the extortion things, people keeping your passport, um, you know, and just being like, yeah, you owe me whatever. Um, you know, that. Course, I, I, had yeah. my, I had my passport in my pocket the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like. <laughs> I, I was not parting with that thing, no chance. Right, right. But here's the other thing. You know, because you travel all over the world, you know, when you go to customs in a country, you always feel a little, I don't know, like like you're hiding something, even though you're not. <laughs> right. You know, you're always a little uncomfortable because of the language, maybe. You hand your passport over to a Russian customs guy. He doesn't smile. He doesn't say anything. He looks at you. He gave me the signal, you know, take off your glasses. So okay, take off yeah, my yeah. glasses. He's just staring at me. <laughs> and then he looks at his computer. And I'm there for five minutes, and I can feel I'm starting to sweat. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, I don't even know what the hell I'm nervous yeah. about. I got, like, right. I got nothing to be nervous about. Right. And then he reaches over, he grabs one of those old stamps, and clunk, clunk, right. clunk, hands me the passport. And you're like, oh, thank God, I can get through here. <laughs> it's like the most harrowing five minutes. If you were trying to smuggle something, yeah, man, they would have arrested me on the spot. I would have been leaking sweat like a <laughs> just, bucket. Right. You're like, what's wrong? <laughs> You're just dying. Yeah. It's funny, though. I, I, <laughs> you know, In all the travels, it's, it seems like it's harder for me to get across Grand Forks into Manitoba. They act like I'm some sort of terrorist as opposed to other countries where they don't say anything. Like, I barely ever get well, asked. I just, you know? I'm nervous, man. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I, got, I got nothing. I got my visas. I got everything lined up because our company does everything for yeah. us. And, uh, you know, like, I know it's right. <laughs> but they just TSM said, "What are you right. doing here?" Yeah. You'd go uh, hockey broadcast, and but nobody said anything. I was like, oh, "I can hardly wait till this is over." Yeah, really. Um, Austin Matthews. I've heard you on various TSN uh, shows talk about Austin Matthews. I uh, played for Team USA there, and um, you were impressed with him before. But I get the sense after watching his games and you know being around there you maybe came away from the world championships even more impressed than you were with Austin Matthews. Not just Matthews, but uh, Patrick Lyon as well. Yeah. Lyon uh, was a kid that'll go number two. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I saw them both at the world juniors and was really impressed, but watching them play against men, um, watching them handle uh, the scrutiny that they were under. Um, they're, they're both, Terrific players. Now, I I don't have any doubt. I would draft Matthews in front of Lioning, mm-hmm. but I think Winnipeg is going to be pumped when they get this kid. The, you know, the the one thing I will say, like Matthews comes off like a, you know, like a real subdued, quiet kid mm-hmm. in the media. He's got a, a terrific personality. When you get a chance, you know, if if people could get a chance to talk to him, right. 
um, you would see like he's got like you know he get his eyes get excited when he talks. You can see he's 18 years old. Yeah. You know, he's he's really a really a terrific kid. Lion A, I get I get a charge out of that kid, man. He is funny. He doesn't care <laughs> no. what people think. Yeah, he just says what's on his mind, and I hope that the media doesn't beat that out of him. Because it's funny, you know what, Steve? We complain that athletes say nothing. Right. And then when they say something or are opinionated, then we just kick them in the shins. And so they go to say nothing. They're like, why would I even bother? Right. This kid is, like, he's outwardly opinionated. He's got flair, style, and I hope he stays that way. Matthews, I think, will have almost an immediate impact in Toronto as well. Mm -hmm. They're... Both teams are going to be thrilled with them. I'm a, as a guy from Winnipeg, born and raised there. It's nice that Line A is Finnish. He, you know, if it was, it, let's say, let's say, uh, let's say Line A was the American from Arizona. He's going to Winnipeg, and I, you know, God bless Winnipeg. It's like I said, it's my hometown. But you almost get the sense like these guys don't want to go to Winnipeg. No trade clauses, everything else. Line A as the Finn with Timu being there, being cold uh, is no problem, and I think that's going to work out great. That's a nice fit as far as having to play your career in Winnipeg for the first six or seven years or whatever it is. Oh, I I think it's a it's a fantastic fit for him. Yeah. Um, and I think Winnipeg, as a smaller community, will embrace his flair. I mean, they loved Timu in in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. and I mean, what's what wasn't to love? They would have loved Timu anywhere he went. Yeah, but there was a real connection there, and I think there will be with Lion A as well. Now, I, I read uh, his mom is coming over to uh, to live with him, to look after him, to cook and help. You know, hell, the kid's eighteen years old, right? right? right, right. And I and I assume uh, Matthew's mom will be doing the same thing. Uh, she moved to Switzerland when he went there last year. Yeah. And isn't it crazy? Here are these guys that franchises are going to bestow millions of dollars on. Mm-hmm. And the one commonality is that their moms have to go with them because <laughs> yeah. the guys probably can't even cook two eggs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, right? Times are changed a little bit that way. Um, oh, you bet they are. Uh, Line A's got that shot. I never saw his shot before. I had no idea. I mean, I guess I watched the World Juniors well as much as I could. I'd never seen the kid shot, really. I'm like, oh, I saw a couple of highlights. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's a rocket. Yeah. he. Um, the second he steps into the NHL, he will have, in my opinion, one of the top five shots in the league. Right? It is. Yeah. It is amazing. Uh, but I will tell you, Matthews can really shoot it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have trouble... I have trouble, honestly, Steve, talking about one guy without talking about the other. Mm-hmm. Because... People want to turn this into a competition. Why is this guy better than that guy? Guess what? They're both terrific players. They really are. The one thing I, the little smidge of question I have about Lion A is his foot speed. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I watched more and more of the tournament, I became less and less concerned about it. Um, I do think he's going to have to adjust to the smaller rink and the quickness of the game more than Matthews will. Matthews will be more familiar with it. But I don't have any doubt that, that Lion A will be able to do that. Part of the reason we saw so much of Matthews, too, down here in the States uh, on, the, on the NHL Network, um, the USA doesn't really – what happened to their team at the World Championships? Like what, Not that they, – they did all right, but, I mean, as far as the player caliper, they just really kind of eschew the, the team-building processes of the other nations, huh? Uh, I think it's an embarrassment. Um, and I think USA Hockey should be embarrassed uh, by the team that they sent. And I say this with, it sounds like it's disrespectful to the players that were there. Mm-hmm. I have the utmost respect for those guys. They tried their ass off. They played, they played hard. Yeah. And they were proud to be there. But there was a boatload of U.S. players that weren't there. And I think it's shameful that they don't go play. Now, some have now, do legitimate they tur- yeah. excuses. Do they guys, turn it down? Guys are injured. Okay. Guys are injured. Right. Um, guys have, um, you know, contractual situations that um, mm-hmm. they wouldn't want to take the risk. I get that. Well, you were there but, at one point. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but where yeah. was Jack Eichel? Yeah. He's, he's 19 years old. Where was he? 
Like, that's just one guy, for example. You mean to tell me the two best goaltenders they had were Keith Kincaid and Mike Condon? Seriously? (laughs) I don't buy it. Like, I don't... See, I think the biggest problem is USA Hockey, um, they, they kowtow to their star players. They're scared of them. Now, Patrick Kane didn't need to go. He's been to every event. Mm-hmm. It, didn't need, it didn't need to be him. But USA Hockey should be able to hold the World Cup roster spots or Olympic involvement over the heads of these guys. Right. That's what Canada does. That's what Canada Yeah, Canada does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Canada does it. The Finns do it. The Swedes do it. Why not? The, I think these players need to realize they've gotten lots from USA Hockey, and they owe something back. Now, I read an article. I don't know if it was LeBron or somebody. It was on. It might have been uh, Burnside that the building of Team USA for the World Championships was. I mean, sure they had some guys turn them down, but the spin I read, Ray, was that they were doing this on purpose to give experience to the younger dudes. But you're kind of saying like a lot of guys said no. That's bogus. Okay. That's a a bogus excuse. Um, So they needed to get, for example, Patrick Maroon there. They had to get him experience. (laughs) I I don't know. Patrick's 28. Right, right. You know, like, Keith Kincaid's 27. Interesting. Yeah, the article I read was definitely like, 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 yeah, it it was done on purpose. Not a chance. Okay. If there was, if they needed experience, again, where was Eichel? Mm Mm-hmm. He's 19. Does he have so much experience that he doesn't need to go? Connor McDavid was there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I just. Yeah. I, I don't buy it for a second. Not 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 one second. And I know because I, I you know I've had enough conversations that this is not this is not a one time event. Okay. For the US. Yeah. This yeah. happens yep. time and time and time again, and they finished fourth in that tournament. Really, they were about the seventh best team. They beat the Czechs in the quarterfinal. Uh, Kincaid was awesome in goal. Uh, Matthew scored, and then Matthew scored in the shootout, uh, and they so that got him to the quarterfinal, mm-hmm. but um, or got him to the semifinal. But um, I I couldn't believe that they couldn't field a better roster. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the article I read was certainly some spin then for sure because it was was it Lombardi who was in charge? Wasn't Lombardi? Um, um, you know, I don't know. I, I read some stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm telling you, um, yeah, it's more like, I, I don't buy it for not even a half of one second. <laughs> um, Matthews next year, do you think his ceiling, uh, for a rookie you're looking at, uh, I mean, he's not as good as McDavid, right? McDavid was phenomenal when I watched him, but yeah. he's right there. He's right under there. That's, that's kind of what you expect. Yeah. I, I mean, if if he gets fifty points, that would be a heck of a year, right? Which you know, Eichel in Eichel that fifty to sixty point point range, which I think is where Eichel was. Mm-hmm. That that's about that's what I would say for for Matthews. Uh, before we wrap it up on the Paul Pocky podcast with TSN's Ray Ferraro, the Stamkos watch. Uh, I read Bob McKenzie's uh, little little deal about Stamkos and um, what's going on with that. It seems like they may want to, you know. Grind them for a little bit less leers and a little bit less money. Tampa's got some cap crunch, as we all know. What do you think happens as we get closer to July one? Like, has your opinion changed? Do you? What do you think goes on there? You know what? I'm honestly, I'm at a, I'm at a bit of a loss there. The, I think the flat cap, the cap's not going to go up very much. Mm-hmm. Um, that hurts Stamkos's leverage. Uh, as far as going to talk to other teams, I still think there'll be lots of teams that are interested in them. It's whether they can make it work. Um, I think there's probably three or four really significant teams that or would have significant interest in them mm-hmm. um, that would have the cap space and would be of some interest. Um, Tampa's see, this just isn't about Stamkos. It's also about. Ben Bishop, it's about Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, mm-hmm. Victor Hedman, Hedman yeah. Nikita Kucherov. It's, I mean, Kucherov, they got to get him signed now. And he's making 875. <laughs> so when he jumps to 5 million, 
or somewhere about that, um, there goes a whole pile of cap space. Stamkos is at 7.5. Do they have, or 7 million, I think, do they have another $2 million for him per year? Maybe. You know, that's, that's yep. where Iserman's got to do some juggling. That's where, is, is Andre Vasilevsky ready to take over in goal? And if he is, they can clear $5 million of cap space by trading Ben Bishop. Right, like that. Yeah. It's a multi-layered decision for Eiserman. It is super difficult uh, and very rare. And you know what? I I don't think I, I don't think I lean one way or the other. I just some days I think he's going to sign. Some mm-hmm. days I think he's going to go to July first and sign in Tampa anyway. Right. Other times I think it it's done and he's going to go somewhere else. I'm. I hate to not have an opinion on it. I just don't. I just don't have a feel. If he goes for the most money, he won't be at Tampa, right? He's gonna have to sacrifice Correct. dollars to stay with Tampa, right? Yeah, for, I, I think so. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. Um, but if he's sacrificing a million dollars a year over eight years, that's eight million. After taxes, it's probably less than four. Yep. If the rest of the deal is seventy million, does it really matter? No state tax in if Florida that's either. The place yeah. You love. yeah, no state tax in Florida. But I mean, right. if that's yeah. the place you really love, no, I, yeah. I'm saying in, in generality, yeah, yeah, yeah. state tax and all that stuff. But in generalities, if the difference is four million dollars over <laughs> seven or eight years, right? Does it really matter when the rest of the deal is seventy million? And and for me, if the place I loved was Tampa then that's where I would probably stay. Yeah, I'm with you. Unfortunately, these guys don't seem to ever do that, you know? I'm totally with you. When you look at your grandkids' yeah, grandkids have money, but, you know? Yeah, but it depends. Like, what if one of the other teams is a team you've wanted to play for? What if it's a team that has a different and better opportunity in your mind? Because the money's not going to be so different. Mm-hmm. It's really not. But... If there's a little bit, maybe maybe you do want to go. Maybe they tell you you can play center, right? Maybe they say, hey, you're, you're just a centerman. That's it. That's all you're going to be. Well, yeah, the, pro- the problem with that is you're a centerman until it doesn't work, and then they make a move, and <laughs> you're on the wing again. I, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. look, John Cooper is, is not an idiot. If they thought in Tampa that the best position for them to win was Stamkos at center, he would have been at center. Yeah. I know. Obviously, they don't. That whole thing was weird. It was all weird. Like, they all want Stamkos to succeed and be the best player they can. You know what I mean? It's not like they're purposely putting him on the wing because they want to devalue him or they all want to win. And they all felt everybody. And I imagine Iserman was on that page too, right? Cooper's not doing this on his own. Um, He's telling Iserman, what do you think? And Iserman's like, yeah, we need him on the wing, right? So. Well, I would would assume that decision is more collaborative, but. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, the the coach has got to play the team that he thinks is the best, uh, gives them the best chance to win. Because if he doesn't, um, guess who's leaving? It's not the general manager; it's him. Right. Well, cool, Ray. Thank you, Ray Ferraro, TSN. Uh, thank you for doing the Paul Pocky podcast. I know you miss him. I know you miss him deeply. So I figured we'd get you on, you know, to fulfill that. Absolutely. Can't can't <laughs> believe how much I miss talking to you. <laughs> And uh, uh, let's uh, let's hope the Penguins get it, uh, so we can go on to the draft and free agency because that's actually really interesting and really exciting. So, it is. I uh, I think the best team is going to win. Um, I think the best team in this series is the Penguins, and I think they will they will be Stanley Cup champions. All right, I agree. All right, thank you for doing this, Ray. Really appreciate it. Um, enjoy enjoy your summer, and um, yeah, we'll talk soon. You betcha. Thanks, Rick. Again, later. Bye-bye.